All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God, alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. You who believe, be mindful, as it is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God to your dying moment. So for uh, this last chuppah of the third year of the Women's Mosque of America, I want to share what this very safe and sacred space has meant to me, the unlikeliest of converts, and how it has helped me to navigate what has been a, at times, very culturally confusing circumstance. So before my conversion or reversion, the only thing I knew about Islam is that for decades I had been protesting Western intervention and brutality in the Muslim world. Then in 2014, something particularly horrible happened in Gaza, and I had to reach out and find some way to be with others, you know, and trying to understand what was going on over there. And on social media, on Facebook, there was this call to action, a global call to action. Everybody come together and fast, and then get together that evening to break the fast. And so I called around to find out where the closest location was for me to do this, because I live out in Thousand Oaks. And it turned out that the closest place for me was the Islamic Society of West Valley in Canoga Park. So I fasted that whole day, I thought. I have since learned that Muslims mean a whole different thing when they say fasting. I was so proud of myself and then, uh, well, so um, I also, I had never been to a mosque. So I asked, is there any dress requirement? And I was told, just dress modestly. So to me, that means, you know, skirt below the knee and no bare shoulders. And I showed up, and most of the women there were completely covered, except for their faces and their hands. And it was Ramadan. I didn't realize that. I, had, I didn't know from Ramadan. I had wandered into an interfaith iftar. So. I had been, as a child, I was a Catholic, and I loved Jesus, but I lost that connection. I lost my spiritual connection, and it felt as if I was being told, but wait, don't panic, there's more. And that's what happened to me that night at this interfaith iftar. When I heard the Adhan called, that was the more. It was like a spiritual, connection calling me to prayer. And I have since the imam at ISWV has um, said, and I want to make sure I say it the beautiful way he told me. He has explained that the raw beauty of the Quran is something that has captivated Muslims and people from other faiths alike. It has throughout the generations been responsible for the conversion of countless people. That's exactly what happened to me. I heard al-Fatiha for the first time. I had no idea what was being said. It just reached down into the very core of me, and I accepted that my mission was now to figure out what was being said. So the next day, I bought an English translation of the Quran, and I learned online to pray, 
And I went along like that. I finished the Quran. I was praying five times a day, and I thought, I need to find other Muslims, you know, and find out what is going on. So I called the Caneo Valley uh, Mosque and was introduced to a group called Conversations. So I started going to Conversations, and that's where I met Dr. Rose Aslan. And this January, she says, why don't you join me for the inaugural Juma at the Women's Mosque of America? It was going to be that Friday on January 30th. And I thought anything, it sounded like something to empower women, and I was all in. So she and I carpooled down to the old Pico uh, location, and the room was packed with sisters. And a young woman stood up and belted out that athon, and it was, it was just, she had said on the news, I don't know some of, if you were there that day, there were so many reporters and photographers, and I saw her on the news that night saying, I never in my life thought I'd have the opportunity to do that. And it was uh, the first time I had prayed in community with other Muslims. The very first chuppah I ever heard was Edina Lakovich. Imagine, that's, I get to, that was my first real introduction to Juma prayer. She, um, she spoke that day with such clarity and such passion. She talked about, and I want to make sure I get this, she talked about the rights and responsibilities we all have for our own faith, relevant to our time and place in history. She hoped the experience of a woman's Juma would jolt our spiritual senses and create opportunities for our spiritual upliftment. Isn't that beautiful? So then it was the first time we stood up shoulder to shoulder, no gaps, and prayed. And I was right up at the front. I was right up at the front. And so I felt I had found my mosque. And then we, I said my shahada here that summer at Ramadan. And I attended a co-ed iftar. Now the men were there. And they stood on one side and we on the other. We were still separated with equal opportunity to find a place at the front. And that's how I thought it worked. And, and it, was, it was very beautiful, but I couldn't just shelter here in the safety of this space because the, the mission statement of the Woman's Mosque of America emphasizes that its intention is to complement existing mosques, offering opportunities for women to grow, learn, and gain inspiration to spread throughout their respective communities. So I went to Juma prayer at the Caneo Valley. And I wasn't invited into the big, beautiful prayer hall with the men. The women were segregated to a room, a separate little room. And I found that unacceptable. Nobody, they didn't, I did go in and pray, but I couldn't be true to my own core beliefs. That was a conflict for me. So then I went back to ISWV where I had had my conversion. And at ISWV, the men and the women pray in the same room, but the women are in the back of the room. And in time, I grudgingly accepted that segregating women is a matter of modesty, that we prostrate when we pray, and so we keep separate for that reason, and one's position in the prayer lines has no reflection upon their status in the prayer. 
But then on one very well-attended day, the men kept wandering in late, long after the chutbah had started. And a brother finally came to us, and he was asking the sisters to back up and make room for the late men and boys. And um, the, if, if that kept up, the only place would be the overflow area outside. And so I kind of refused to budge. And before it became an uncomfortable situation, the moms told everybody, stand up and move forward and fill in the gaps. And they made room. And there was no reason to displace any of the sisters. It all just worked out. But you know, I continued to be uncomfortable. I am who I am. And when observers, when people from outside the Muslim community came, our neighbors coming to reach out and you know, learn about us, it made me uncomfortable that they were coming in and seeing the women praying in the back. And this last summer, uh, interfaith iftar, a man at our table asked me, he said, does that bother you that the women pray behind the men? Uh, and I said, well, I gave him that explanation about modesty. And then I said, yes, it bothers me. You know, and then I told him about the Women's Mosque of America where they do side by side and everybody has a, you know, opportunity to move up to the front. And a sister at my table said, what difference does it make? I can vote, I can drive, I have a good job. What difference does it make where in the masjid I pray? And I can't speak for anybody else but me. But most of my life, I have been marching and protesting against the unfair social professional treatment of women in the United States. And it's an ongoing struggle witnessed by the recent Me Too movement. And in January, the unprecedented number of women who marched in that woman's march. And most of the women I knew in that march were sisters from the masjid. So I have always been involved in organizations. And if I have to just pick out one American hero of mine, it's always Ida B. Wells, who was born into the shameful institution of American slavery and her still her entire life was devoted to equal rights and civil rights until she died in, 19, in 1931. She marched with Alice Paul to pass the 19th Amendment that in 1920 granted women the right to vote. Those women were jailed and they were tortured. Many of the women went on a hunger strike and they were force fed in the same tortuous way that the hunger striking prisoners at Guantanamo Bay were. So they endured that and finally secured the constitutional right for women to vote. So my friend at that iftar table can vote and drive and hold a directorship in a major American corporation because of the sacrifice of those women who came before. And they made all the difference in the world. So this time and place in history that Adina spoke about that day almost three years ago. It continues to confuse me. Entering a mosque can still feel like I'm entering an entire different culture or time. And I realize that my sisters not only accept, but many of them prefer that separation.
They prefer to be in the back of the room or behind the curtain or the walls, and they can't understand why it's so offensive to me. And I acknowledge, I acknowledge the difference in our feelings and remember the Quran, chapter 49, verse 13, O mankind, we created you from a male and a female and made you into tribes and nations that you may get to know each other and verily, most honored before God is the most virtuous. We're just of different tribes, from different nations, with different cultures, getting to know each other, who need to accept each other, and live together, and worship together, inshallah. I say what I have said, may God forgive all of us. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to God alone. The first Muslim convert was a woman, a strong, successful businesswoman whose comfort and counsel were critical in calming and reassuring the Prophet Muhammad so he could focus on his mission after he was initially visited by Archangel Gabriel. Khadija was his partner who he loved and trusted completely. The Prophet ﷺ gave special honor to women, guaranteeing them rights and liberties not equaled anywhere at that time and that place in history. At that time and that place in history, to insist that men not bury their live infant daughters was very progressive. You know, I would hope that in this time and place in history, it would go without saying. But uh, how would those progressive ideas be translated in this time and place? I did not find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just to turn away because situations at the mosque seem culturally confusing. More, the people at that mosque have been loving and accepting and welcoming, welcoming me in in a way I have never experienced. So this is a sideshow, really, but it's been an important sideshow to me. I can't just walk out and protest because, you know, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. I need to be with my Muslim community. So what I do is I say several times a day, hasba Allah wa nitma waqil. Allah suffices me, and Allah is the best dispenser of affairs. Colloquially, to me, it means Allah suffices me and this other stuff, it'll sort in time, whatever. So meanwhile, once a good month, let us meet at the Women's Mosque of America to draw strength and knowledge from this sisterhood so that we as Muslim women can go back out and claim our rightful place of participation and even leadership in the Ummah. Show up. Pray with right intention. Speak truth to power. Let's listen to one another with open hearts to bridge the divides and find common cause as Muslims of different tribes from different nations claiming our rightful place in this nation. God commands justice, doing good and generosity for its relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Wa'akimna al-salah, perform the prayer. <laughs>